the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, I have to apologise to you and indeed to our guest who we're welcoming on to the podcast shortly. Uh, I haven't been uh, able to prepare as much as I'd like to for this uh, episode as I've been trying to piece my uh, panic button uh, back together today after uh, smashing it to smithereens uh, in the midst of Japan losing 2-1 to Iraq last night. Uh, how are things uh, in Osaka this evening and your, your your blood pressure? Well, I've not had a lot of time between watching games, sleeping and working before this podcast. I'm, I'm not quite as prepared as I was the, the, the last time, but but certainly things haven't haven't gone to plan. And as to, just to, to let the, the listeners in, at the moment, you know, Korea are playing Jordan, it's half time, and we don't know what's going to happen with that game, but that's going to set the cap further amongst the pigeons. So yeah, this is the first time I've recorded the pod on a Saturday night, so I can put that in my, my little stamp book. I, I wish it was in better circumstances, but we've got a great guest on who I'm sure is going to help us get, get through tonight's pod. Yes, we're breaking new ground with a uh, Saturday night recording, I think. Uh, in our uh, 12 years of uh, the pod, I don't remember ever doing one on uh, Saturday night before, but uh, yeah, it, it's possible we have uh, somewhere down the line. But uh, yeah, we're recording almost 24 hours uh, after Japan's shock defeat to Iraq in the uh, the second group stage game in the Asian Cup. So the dust has started to settle somewhat. And uh, I wonder how things are with our guest, uh, Ryo Nakagawara, on for the first time in 2024. So a huge welcome back to the podcast to you, uh, Rio. But uh, yeah, how are things after uh, last night's disappointment? Hi, Ben. Hi, Johnny. Yeah, it was a pretty tough one to swallow. Um, I mean, I've watched a lot of Iraq's games, so I know what they're about. So like, it's not like a huge shock to me because I think they are definitely a good side. But yeah, it's still very, very disappointing, uh, more in like the kind of manner that we lost in, I suppose. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah, it's been called uh, the 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 biggest surprise so far in uh, this incarnation of the Asian Cup. And uh, yes, it took um, most, uh, if not all, Samurai Blue supporters uh, by surprise, I think. But, uh, well, saying that, there were some warning signs, weren't there, Rio, in the first game against Vietnam? Of course, Japan had to come from behind uh, after falling 2-1 behind in the uh, in the first half. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, the, the 4-2 scoreline in the, uh, the group stage opener, um, well, yeah, it did flatter Japan somewhat, didn't it, as they uh, they did struggle to uh, to break uh, Vietnam down and were caught out from um from from a couple of vietnamese set pieces so um yeah in some respects the writing was on the wall and uh, it, before we jump into things well as best we can in in chronological order i just wanted to get your thoughts real on the, uh, the the team that hajime moriyasu put out he uh, he made uh, two changes bringing uh, takefusa kubo and uh, takuma asano in for for Kato Nakamura and uh, Mao Hosoya, we also saw the return to the uh, the bench of uh, Takehiro Tomiyasu and uh, Yuta Nakayama uh, after they were uh, out of the matchday squad of 23 in the first game. So yeah, the two changes, Kubo and Asano, in. Um, what was your uh, overall thought on on how Moriyasu uh, lined them up at the start of this game? Well. Um... First of all, I think the left wing position taken up by Minamino is a, was a surprise for me at the start. And I think for most people who've been watching uh, this Japan side for the past couple of years, right, because 
you know, in the World Cup qualifiers before um, the 2022 World Cup, we kept playing Minamino there because we couldn't really find a way to fit him in, right? Because back then we were playing um, a midfield three of Aotanaka, Morita, and Endo. So there wasn't really a number 10 kind of position available to Minamino. And, you know, and like, you know, he played really poorly there. And like I, and, you know, we all thought, you know, here we are in 2024, um, that, you know, that Minamino on the wings was a thing of the past, but it wasn't. And, um, you know, it was definitely um, a frustrating thing to see all throughout the, um, all throughout the first half, right? But um, curiously, um, it's it was only later after the match and uh, today that I found out that Kato Nakamura was actually nursing a minor injury. Um, he had, he, um, there was like a practice session and he injured his shin. And so he had to get taped up. And while he was able to move around, he, um, he wasn't like um, making passes with that foot. At least that's what was reported. And like there was a picture of him with like a pretty taped up uh, leg. So I think that's kind of why Moriyasu kind of had to like juggle things around and put Minamino on the left wing as kind of a, a stopgap measure. Um, so yeah, so and we'll talk about kind of Minamino on the left wing and all the um, all that other stuff a bit later once we get into talking to, about the game. But yeah, um, in terms of Kubo, yeah, I mean like it makes sense for him to come into this game, but just as always, um, kind of difficult trying to fit in Minamino and Kubo at the same time, right? So yeah, those are my thoughts. And I think we can kind of dive in more into the details as we kind of talk through the game. Uh, step by step. Indeed. So anything to add there, Johnny? I mean, we speculated that, uh, yeah, Kubo would probably come in and that would mean that, uh, yeah, Nakamura would drop out with uh, with Minamino seemingly undroppable after his two goals in the opener. I, I wasn't aware of that uh, that knock that uh, that Keito Nakamura had picked up, but uh, I guess that might have made uh, Moriyasu's decision for him. Yeah, I'm actually slightly disappointed to hear Rio's news because I was feeling quite happy. At least we got the two changes right when we talked the last time on the pod. But yeah, that, that makes, <laughs> yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense why Nakamura didn't didn't come on when things obviously went south quite quite quickly. Um, yeah, I, I felt like, as Rio said, when we come to the game, we'll get into things a bit more. But if you take that, that front four as a whole, like Ito, Kubo, Minamino, Asano, it, it was very disjointed at times. It, it looked like he's sort of, put his favourites and the, the sort of the biggest names into the lineup rather than the ones that fitted best together. So very, very disappointed. And I, I'm sure Mal Hosoya didn't expect to start, but you know, Asano did nothing in, in the time he was on the field to, to really justify his selection. And Minamino, I think, was, was quite lost out in the left for, for the kind of the time he was there. So yeah, predictable changes. What we said Moriyasu's mind is difficult to read. We were largely able to read it. Predictable changes but with a yeah, a less than satisfactory result, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. So a uh, a bumper crowd of uh, well almost thirty nine thousand in attendance, and uh, most of them ended up getting the uh, the result that they came for, and they cheered uh, for uh, for well uh, uh, throughout the game. It was uh, it seemed a terrific atmosphere, and yes, the uh, the Iraq supporters were there in their droves, and they um, yes they certainly made their presence felt uh, right from the start of the game. When uh, well there was a, a hairy moment for Japan inside. The first 90 seconds, real when uh, Zion Suzuki had to punch a, a, a cross 
clear. But uh, yeah, obviously um, Iraq's uh, fast start. Well, it uh, it bore fruit inside the first five minutes, didn't it? A, a punch away uh, from a long range shot, wasn't it? From a thirty yard strike in the in the fourth minute by Suzuki. Uh, but then from their next attack. Uh, Iraq opened the scoring. A uh, cross in from the Iraqi left uh, was uh, palmed slash parried away by uh, Suzuki, but right into the uh, the centre of the goal where uh, Amen Hussein headed in his uh, first of his uh, brace on the afternoon. Well, yeah, a, a horror start for Japan, and uh, they were caught cold right from the start, weren't they? By uh, Iraq's um, yeah terrific uh, display right from the uh, right from kickoff. Right, yeah. So Iraq really um, playing a really high press and really uh, taking the game to Japan in the, in the uh, you know the first even from the first like the first 15 minutes, uh, 15 seconds, sorry. Like already, Sugawara uh, was you know being was trying to like shield the ball out of play, but he lost that duel and like nearly uh, a chance of creating already in like 15 15 seconds in. So that was like a really um, you know. Um, that was a sign of things to come, right? And like, and we talked about the uh, goal coming uh, from Suzuki palming away a shot that maybe he could have caught, maybe, right? But you have to kind of um, backstep a little bit uh, further back, right? Because that all starts from Minamino making a poor pass inside and giving away the ball. And, you know, Japan giving away the ball cheaply was a really big theme of this uh, game. And, um, you know, when the, um, from the throw-in, and then the uh, cross, and then that big cross is flicked on uh, to the other side by um, Ayman Hussein, you know, Sugawara is outnumbered 2v1, and then that's what allows the uh, cross to be played in. And, you know, Sugawara is going to probably feature a lot in our discussions today. Um, But, you know, we, we need to be really, you know, fair to him about you know our criticism right because it's there's a lot of situations where i do think it's not just sugawara's fault and that the team needs to be doing better in supporting him and like, i feel like this was another one of those cases where we you know first we don't lose the ball cheaply then you know we we try to win those headers so i hussein doesn't you know be, isn't able to flick it on to the uh far side where Sugawara is outnumbered, right? And then we tr- need to, like, you know, prevent that cross from going in in the first place as well, right? So it's it's all these different small things that kind of um, that add up. And uh, it's not just necessarily one player's fault, even though we, we, it's, it's easy to uh, kind of scapegoat a player based on just looking at, like, the immediate review of the uh, play or the uh, goal conceded or whatnot. So, um, but yeah, like, I mean, but obviously, yes, Suzuki does poorly. Um, but yeah, like, there's a lot of other stuff going on as well that uh, we that uh, I didn't want to bring up. So, yeah. What do you think, Johnny? I think, full, full disclosure, I was working till 9.30 last night, so I actually watched the second half live and then came back and watched the first half. And in the time I was watching the second half live, my Japanese friend had messaged me to say Suzuki made another mistake. So I, I went into that incident prime thinking he's going to make another kind of howler like he did against Vietnam. But given that I thought that, I, I didn't really... Yeah, he, he'll probably be sitting to himself thinking I could have done better. But, I mean, ch- chances are he pans that way and it doesn't go directly onto Ayman Hussein's head and he right, gets away right. with it. 
Um, and I'd also kind of follow up your point, your, you, you pointed out about um, Sugawara get caught in a two-on-one position. But I, I kind of paused it the, the minute um, Hussein's heading the ball into the net. There were nine Japanese players, including the goalkeeper, in the Japanese 18-yard box when that header goes in, versus I think five for Iraq, and they had one player outside the box. But yet with the Iraqi players that with their, their dynamic movement, the Japanese defenders were largely statues. And, and as you say, the, Jap- the Iraqi players just wanted it more. They were, they were more dynamic, more forceful. They, they were just moving the ball from side to side. And they were able to very quickly force that, that two-on-one situation. And like you say, you were all kind of cascaded down from there. But yeah, I think to, to kind of follow up your, your point, you said you've, you've watched Iraq a lot. I, I've only watched Iraq once. Again, full disclosure, it was against Indonesia, which for me, for the games I've seen, has been the best game this tournament so far. Although I, I guess if I'd watched South Korea Jordan the whole way, it might might actually beat that. But very impressed by Iraq. And you know the warning signs were there for Japan in the game against Vietnam. But we kind of said, well, you know, it might just be a kind of clearing the cobwebs and we'll get back to it in the next game. But yeah, they just did not deal with the, the physical threat, especially Ayman Hussein. Um, you know, we'll talk about him a bit more later. But he just kind of reminded me of the kind of guy. He's a good forward. He's not an amazing forward, but he's big. He's physical. He's got a scary, angry face. And I just felt like, as simple as it may sound, that the defenders just took a bit of a back step, and he just did that extra yard that every time he got on the ball, he caused problems. And yeah, in, in a way, Japan were quite lucky. Actually, he went off at half time. You could have done more damage in the second half, but a, a horrible start from Japan. But but um, yeah, still still plenty of time to go at that point. Yeah, it's a it's a really tricky one with uh, with Zion Suzuki, isn't it? Because yeah, he uh, the the second goal against Vietnam. I mean, yeah, he he's he's done very poorly there in the uh, the opener against Iraq. Yeah, I uh, I, I guess uh, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, uh, I think he has palmed. As I said, palm slash parried the ball where a, a firm punch might have, you know, cleared the ball an extra couple of yards maybe. But, yeah, I think, Johnny, you're right. He, he's he's just gotten unlucky there. It, it was crossed at, um, yeah, fairly close range. He hasn't had a, a – a, a, he's only got a split second to react. And, um, yeah, he's just – very very unlucky, uh, but it's it's great placement and it's uh, yeah, ter- a terrific header from Hussein that you know we can't take anything away from that. He he was in the right place at the right time and uh, and Suzuki was unlucky. So that was uh, yeah Iraq's pressure paying off from the start as uh, Riol said. Yeah, it was a poor giveaway by uh, Takumi Minamino in the uh, the build up to the shot that uh, Suzuki parried away to begin with but yes uh, not long after Iraq were ahead and so how did uh, Japan respond to uh, to going behind so early uh, Rio we we know they took the lead early doors against Vietnam but were pegged back quite quickly themselves but how did you feel they addressed uh, getting themselves back into the contest for me it still took them a long time to get uh, a proper foothold in the game I and mean, to begin to fashion out any sort of chance because um, I don't think they actually had a, a registered shot on target in the first half did they at the end of the day right yeah so I do think while we didn't get any shots on shots or well no we shots on target at least in the first half where we did eventually create um, opportunities. They just didn't turn to shots, right? It was mostly like, oh, we got a nice cross, but no one was on the end of it, like that kind of sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like in terms of Japan's attack, like the problem was like just simple passes weren't even connecting at all between the players, right? So like nothing 
can even get started, even if we win the ball or if we're building up from the back or anything like that. And, you know, especially like the fullbacks, they like simple passes forward or sideways. We just kept losing the ball cheaply and they immediately gain counterattack. Right. Um, and like the first maybe like really, really good potential chance or opportunity that we had was in the 25th minute when we finally were able to kind of sell the ball and then Morita was able to finally find Minamino like between the lines, between Iraq's uh, defensive midfield lines. And then, and then from there, Kubo was like in the right half space, right in like a pocket in between all of the Iraqi defenders. And then from there, we were able to like actually quickly play across to Juni Ito, where he was able to actually take someone, take um, Iraq's defender uh, on the dribble 1v1 which wasn't uh, something we were able to see a lot of, even against uh, Vietnam, but also in here. And yeah, but even then, like the cross wasn't good enough. And that was the case for a lot of the first half, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, and another frustrating thing is how, like on the left, we had Minamino and Hiroki Ito, right? But with Minamino always trying to come inside, our main attacking threat on the left wing was just Hiroki Ito. And for all, all of Hiroki Ito's, you know, uh, positive traits, being him being the guy to receive the ball in the final third, whether it fits for a cross or, you know, dribbling into the box and then passing it or whatever, like that's not his strength. Mm-hmm. And then like Iraq were completely happy with him having the ball there, right? Like of, of all the players that, um, uh, um, that Japan could could have uh, someone on the ball in those kind of positions. It's it like like the worst player on like to have it there is like Hirokito, right? Absolutely. And yes. like yeah, like he was like a black hole in terms of like you know chance creation or like mm-hmm. we just the the ball will go to the final third. We'll be like oh we can finally send players at the box and you know maybe fashion a chance and like his cross will be awful or like he just won't be able to get the ball in. And like, yeah, and that's been, and that was like a major problem. And like, you know, like it's it's not necessarily Hiroki Ito's fault because he's better at kind of playing the passes from deeper, right? Because he's more of like a center back slash, um, yeah, like he kind of comes inside more um, and we, we and Japan turns into kind of like a back three in, uh, in the buildup. And then he's able to kind of spray those passes into um you know, the proper wingers and stuff like that. But like, yeah, so it's not just his fault. It's also because we're playing Minamino on the left wing. And so, you know, he's not there to support because he's always trying to come inside. So, yeah, yeah. And like that was a theme throughout the first half where there was just not a whole lot of support for each other, uh, for each of the teammates. And like, I, yeah, and like this was something I saw against Vietnam too. Like it's, like Japan's, you know, possession play throughout the past, you know, throughout the past year, um, in 2023 was like, you know, predicated on like having so many different players support each other and play those neat passing triangles, especially out wide, right? And then mm-hmm. creating those special situations where our really good 1v1 dribblers like Junya Ito, Mitoma, um, Keito Nakamura are able to take on the opponent fullback 1v1 and then create a chance because uh, and then create a chance through you know taking uh, 
dribbling inside themselves or taking a cross in. And then there will be so many people inside the box because, you know, that one winger is able to take on so many players, right? And we weren't creating those situations at all, uh, both in the Vietnam game and um, and here against Iraq. So, yeah, that was really disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of crosses, Johnny uh, Asano in the 12th minute and Junior Ito in the 18th. And yes, the, the one in the 18th minute from Junior ended up at the back stick with Hiroki hooking a shot into the keeper's arms. And as uh, Riol says, yes, uh, that didn't uh, just, uh, uh, didn't bother the Iraqi uh, manager or the players uh, one little bit to see uh, Hiroki Ito uh, on the ball. It wasn't until the uh, the 21st minute uh, that uh, Japan won their first corner. And um, shortly after that, their first shot of the game was a Iwataru Endo bicycle kick from six yards that he shinned high and wide. So yeah, it was, um, it wasn't happening uh, for, for Japan, Johnny. And um, how related do you think this performance was to the, to the Vietnam one? Do you think they are really just uh, slow to get going uh, in this, uh, in this tournament or are these games not related at all in your opinion, or what's sort of your barometer of things after two games? Obviously, they uh, the 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 two goals they've conceded against uh, Iraq are, are disappointing, and the result itself is obviously um, yeah potentially hugely dangerous for their future in in the tournament. But um, yeah, are there parallels between these two off-color performances, or are they um, kind of in contrast to each other in some ways? It's actually a very difficult question, Ben, because one of the things I've, I've actually heard from commentators in the zone or also you see things on, on social media, it's very, very difficult to fall into the habit of what humans are programmed to group things together and see patterns from potentially none exist. I, I would err more on the side of you know, there's probably a slight connection, but it's very difficult to compare these because, you know, we haven't mentioned yet Vietnam actually lost to Indonesia in the, the second game. So what the actual level of Vietnam in this tournament is, is, is still up for debate. Also Iraq, because, I mean, you might say they haven't qualified for the, the FIFA World Cup since 1986, but they have won the Asian Cup in, in 2007. And, you know, they've been very impressive. They have they have a, a good squad of players and they've also managed to use, I think, some of the like, diaspora in, in Europe as well to, to further strengthen their team and overcome the, the chaos that's going to be in the, in the country for the last 20 or 30 years or, or more. So, yeah, the Vietnam game, I think Japan got caught out defensively, but in, in attack, I think for large parts, that it was actually all, all right. Whereas this game, you know, again, they fell behind, and this time it was a higher level of opponent, and they, they never really came back. I, I think it was also kind of compounded by, by team selections. And also, I think this was the kind of game where, I think against the Vietnam or Indonesia, Japan can, can get by with, without Mitoma or, or, or Kubo or Tomiyasu. And you don't even notice they're not they're not there most of the time. Whereas this kind of game is where you need those kind of players that they really would shine, as you highlighted down down the left side. And I'd like to come back to Hiroki Ito after the after the second Iraq goal. But yeah, having that combination of Ito and Minamino, which is kind of two square pegs and round holes down down one side of the pitch, really left um, Japan but very vulnerable. Um, so I I would be I would be cautious about putting them too closely together. But definitely is a bit of a, a worrying trend after I think it was ten. 10 wins in a row and then you know they've had the, the final win was was a bit unconvincing and then the, this loss i mean you have to lose at some point but yeah it's been very very disappointing as japan have been tipped not just by us but like across the continent and, and into europe and abroad as, as a clear favorite for this tournament and they absolutely have not shown that in the, the first two games unfortunately 
Indeed. So more frustration in the last 15 minutes of the first half for Rio. On the half hour, a poor pass by Shogo Taniguchi was easily cut out by the Iraqis, and that led to a 35-yard shot that went wide of Suzuki's left-hand post. Then a couple of minutes later, we were all screaming at our TVs at Takuma Asano after Takafusa Kubo slipped him in and his um, yeah his left-footed shot. Uh, well, to say it went close to goal is, uh, well, it's, it's factually inaccurate. It was, um, yeah, just ridiculous from Asano, uh, but, uh, well, something that we're used to, and Rio and I are very much used to as FC Tokyo supporters. Um, every time I see Asano, I'm just reminded of uh, Kensuke Nagai at Rio. I don't know about yourself, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, uh, with uh, with 10 minutes to go in the first half, uh, Minami no cross almost found Junior Ito, but was headed out for a corner by an Iraq defender i wrote down on my notes at this stage that japan were winning the ball back quite a lot or being gifted possession by iraq so for me uh, real things were starting to swing um in japan's uh, direction not just the the possession stats but the the fact that they were really um getting control of the game i felt at this stage but at the same time yes iraq were always still dangerous on the counter and um, wouldn't you know it just before the half uh, after hiramasa morita had spurned a chance in the first minute of stoppage time um yes japan's nightmare was uh, of a first half was uh, wrapped up really when Hussein headed in his second. Uh, yeah, it was poor by Sugawara out on the the Japanese right slash uh, Iraqi left, and um, yeah, the ball was into the box where Hussein got to it before Hiroki Ito. So um, yeah, the the end of the first half it was um, just frustrating frustrating moment after after frustrating moment for us real. Uh, yeah, so let's go back to uh, talking about Takuma, Takuma Sano for a minute because uh, I did want to touch on um, the pos like on like the reasons why uh, Moriyasu wanted to play him up top. So mm-hmm. from my understanding, um, and it seems like the um, and I think um, I ha- I've got it right, um, but Takuma Sano we played him up top because. Um, you know, Iraq is very um, high pressing and uh, and really aggressive to start off the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we saw against Indonesia, we saw against uh, we saw here uh, in the Japan game in the first um, from the first like first seconds of the game, right? Uh, so I think the idea was that we use Asano as kind of like um, um, an outlet to kind of just blast the ball back towards the you know the Iraqi half half of the field. And to kind of stretch the play a bit and uh, push um, Iraq's um, uh, pressure and their lines backwards, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and all, and this also, it's not just about Asano getting on the ball through these, you know, through these longer balls, but it's also, you know, he also pulls, is able to like pull the Iraqi uh, lines apart, right? Because like he makes a run to stretch the defense, and then you know those gaps start appearing between the Iraqi back four and the Iraq uh, midfield. And then from there, that's like, you know, that's exactly the kind of spaces that Minamino and Kubo are like, you know, that's that's the, those are the kind of places that they want to receive in. And mm-hmm. so, like, I think that was the kind of um, thinking behind that there, right? Um, like, and you can even see, like, in the 10th, I think it was in the 10th minute, um, Zion Suzuki gets the ball and, like, from from his own uh, from his own box, he immediately just punts it all the way down to Asano. And we actually, you know, 
are able to win back territory that way. So like we went from our own box all the way into um, Iraq's um, defensive third, and we're able to keep the ball. And eventually, like we put a cross in, but obviously, like that didn't work. But like you know, like the idea was there. So you know, in that sense, um, Takuma Sano's um, um, uh, starting here, uh, that, uh, that, I think that was the plan, and I think that you know sort of made sense, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, this 31st minute chance, that 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 like. I, that's the kind of chance that would make me want to like take him off immediately <laughs> you know um like yeah like he clearly should have passed right like there's mm-hmm. there's no question because like even like if you like even if like the, the defender uh could have caught up to junior ito and i feel like you know he was getting close to goal side of ito as asano touched the ball but mm-hmm. like you know anything could happen at that point if you if you pass the ball inside to the box, right? It's like the, the the defender can, you know, completely whiff the ball and then Ito has a tap in. Or even the defender gets his feet mixed up and scores an own goal. But, you know, mm-hmm. but those possibilities, they can't happen in the first place if Asano is being super selfish. Selfish, you know, as su- uh, coming into the box at that angle, at such a bad angle, and like not in not in full balance of his body, and you know trying to shoot that to the near post where the goalkeeper is already ready and set, like it's it's ridiculous, right? I mean, so yeah, like that's uh, what I wanted to say about Takuma Asano. That I think the uh, plan made sense, but um, it didn't really work. And then you know he does that. <laughs> so yeah, I think the um, a lot of the Kind of criticism is a is rather warranted because especially after um iraq hunkered down uh in in like around in the 60th then around the second half then you know there's there's no really point in keeping us on on the field right so mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so and anyway so let's go to the second goal right so as ben talked about yeah it's another one where kind of zugar gets done for pace and strength but at the same time, you you like when the ball pops up right on the halfway line there, and Sugawara goes wide to challenge for the ball, mm-hmm. but like there's no other support. Like you like watch 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 the uh, replay there, and you can see that Sugawara is getting double teamed again, and then the and then like neither uh, Takefu Sakuba or Judy Itar and like in any position to help him out, like they're positioned like past. Him because I think I think both Juni Ito and Kubo were expecting Sugawara to simply win that and then they'll be in a good position to counterattack, right? But like, you know, you have to win the ball first. Like that's that's step one, guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know. So then Sugawara um loses the duel because, you know, there's a, there's two guys on him, and then, you know, um Iraq gets slightly lucky that the ball is able to be kept in play, but in my, I mean, you know, it is in play like absolutely like it's there's no question it's um still in play so that's completely fair right but if you ch- if you check that um you can see also that covering behind Sugawara like neither Endo or Itakura are ready to like you know um react to that um to the Iraqi player going on the counterattack and that's why he's able to get all the way into the box to cross it in so again, it's, it's just it's just all these little things where people like the players aren't being coordin- coordinated coordinated right. Mm-hmm. They're not talking to each other like they're not you know 
and they're not covering for each other and then like it's it's just a bunch of these little small dominoes falling down um one one after another and then it's yeah it's just another it just another cross and it's just another um header by Ayman Hussein who makes a really good late run into the box and if you check like if you like really slow it down you can see him kind of make a little shimmy mm-hmm. um it's not like a straight run and th- i think that's what throws hirokito off because he like he can go either near uh, not just not not near near post obviously but like either in the center or at the far post and he was making uh hirokito think uh twice about just getting close to him because he could go either way and like yeah like it was just a really really quality run from my man Hussein there and yeah like this one Suzuki has no chance that that's that's not nothing on him so mm-hmm. yeah that's what I want to say on, on that one yeah I think I just wanted to add a little bit about Hiroki Ito um because I agree with all you said so far you about his, his attacking and I mean, t- to be honest speaking from my own perspective I, I don't really get Hiroki Ito and let me explain what I mean by that, because I, I will say I don't watch the German Bundesliga, so I don't know how he's doing for, for Stuttgart, but I just can remember this guy playing for, for Jubilo in, in J2, and he was good in J2, but in the kind of way that Jubilo players tend to be very good in J2, because they usually get promoted when they're down there, and it seems like he's just skipped several chapters, and now he's a regular in the Bundesliga, playing as, a, as like you say, Rio is better as a, in a back three as a centre-back, and now all of a sudden he's become like first-choice left-back for Japan. And I know he was, he was really criticised at the last World Cup for his backwards passing, and he's obviously tried to fix that. And he, he did, in fairness to him, have a genuine go down that wing. Nothing came off, but he, he was he was trying. But uh, I felt like, you know, he he has been kind of sold down the river by what's going on, as you said, you know, the, the, the domino effect. But that, for me, was like his chance to shine one-on-one with Ayman Hussein, because he is more of a centre-back. He has a big physical presence, and... He was completely done, albeit by a very good player. And yeah, Itakura was at fault. Taniguchi, I think he wrote down in the 39th minute. I haven't followed up, but Taniguchi completely bullied, uh, completely bullied by the physical presence of Ayman Hussein. And I also wrote down Junior Ito was struggling against Yahia, who, who put the cross in from, from the left. So although Japan, as you rightly pointed out, Ben, they were getting a stranglehold of some sorts in the game. In Iraq, where can we be sitting off a bit more? It's, Japan still weren't able to match up to the, the physicality and the, the determination of the Iraqi players at times. And yeah, it, they get a bit lucky, like like Rio said, with the sort of the, the Mitoma-esque, almost out but not quite out ball down, down the wing. But they don't help themselves at all at, at times. And yeah, 45 minutes plus four additional time conceding the goal, just the worst possible time. Because you think in a game like this, if they went in 1-0 down, Again, if they come out to start the second half, a bit better mentality to get it back to 1-1, they can go and win it. But 2-0 against a team of Iraq's quality, yeah. even if you go into the tournament as favourites, that is just a, a mammoth mountain to climb. Yeah, and like ideally, we go into halftime only 1-0 down. And like that's still manageable. But going 2-0 down, especially off a goal right before the halftime whistle, that's a, that's a really tough blow to take. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no question about that, uh, both of you there. So uh, Moriyasu brought uh, Tomiyasu on at halftime for uh, for Taniguchi and also uh, rejigged things 
in behind the striker. And Johnny, I'll come back to you on uh, on this and get your thoughts on how uh, how the, the rejig worked. Uh, jun- well, basically, yeah, Junior Ito switched flanks from the right to the left. Uh, Minamino went into the number 10 role and, uh, and Kubo went out on to the right at the start of the second half. Uh, don't worry, listeners. Yeah, we're coming on to the drama in both the penalty boxes uh, 10 minutes into the second half. But yeah, just want to get your thoughts, Johnny, on on, uh, on how you felt the uh, the the rejig of the uh, the three behind the striker went. I think like and I know Kubo has played very well in the, the number ten role in, in recent games for Japan, but logically based on where they play for their, their club sides, you would think Kubo on the right, Ito on the left, and Minamino in the centre is is the logical thing to do. And honestly, you know, Moriasu has been been like, criticised for being like small C conservative many times in the past, but by myself included. But the fact that he waited until half time before making a probably the Tomiyasu for for Taniguchi change because I think Taniguchi was yeah he was he was bu- bullied by by Hussein and uh, I would have brought on Tomiyasu earlier if he was fit uh, and also that t- changing that around that front line when it was clear it wasn't really working even when they did get a grip on things it wasn't working particularly well so yeah I I fully agreed with the, the logic of the change. Um, I would just have made it earlier. What about yourself? You what, what did you make of that? Um, yeah, I think uh, having Tom Yasu come on uh, made sense. Um, I mean, it's a tough one because, like in the Vietnam game, I think Tani Gucci is way better than Itakura. Mm. And the thing about Itakura, like he's been really bad in both games, like not just defensively, but also just like his passing and like it's. It's very, very clear, like, how, you know, like, it's very clear that he's coming off, like, almost three months out from injury, right? And it's like, okay, in that case, you know, why didn't we play, uh, well, Tsuyoshi Watanabe was injured for for this game with, like, a slight neck injury, so he wasn't in the squad. Um, But, like, you know, Koki Machida, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was t- funnily, funnily enough, I was talking to I, I don't I, I can't remember who it was on Twitter when the lineups um, were announced that um, you know and we were talking about uh, you know I'm in Hussein and he's really dangerous and like I was I was saying to him like oh we should we should, we really should you know try to play Koki Machida because he's really mm-hmm. tough and good in the air and like well yeah and look what happened right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like it's um, you know, we we brought so many center backs um, in the squad, right? Uh, and we can talk about the uh, squad a bit later, I guess. But um, I don't want to point out how, like, you know, we have like what five center backs, and mm-hmm. um, and we have and, and comparatively we only have four central midfielders, right? So like that was the uh, big kind of question mark for me um, at, on January first when um, the uh, squad was announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we brought all these center backs, and with Itakura, you know, off form and also coming off of a, you know, a medium-term injury, like why, like why do we bring all these center backs if we're not going to at least try and play them, uh, especially through the group stages, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a, that was a, yeah, that was one of my biggest uh, kind of, um, yeah, question marks for me uh, in terms of in terms of like uh, the center back and the squad selection in regards to that. Um, but yeah, and anyways, um, um, coming back to this game, sorry. Um, yeah, Katomiyasu coming on was great, right? It's not just in terms of like defensive stability, but like he's so good on the ball. 
and mm-hmm. like we were finally able to like kind of you know uh pin iraq back into their own half and just have our um center backs on the halfway line passing around and slowly slowly trying to you know probe and uh figure out uh ways to uh, crack open uh, that iraqi defense and so yeah tomiyasu being back uh you know playing with um you know his kind of swagger is is really good for the squad and um hopefully he'll be starting uh in the next game against indonesia yeah, all right then. So uh, the uh, yeah the drama that I mentioned in both penalty boxes uh, ten minutes uh, after the break, uh, there was a lucky escape for Japan and uh, Yukinari Sugawara uh, in the the first case when he almost gave away a penalty after an Iraqi counterattack. Then up the other end, uh, seconds later, Japan were awarded a penalty after Asano uh, seemed to be upended. But uh, the, uh, the the VAR instructed the referee to go over and have a look at the screen. And uh, he uh, changed his decision after uh, determining that the uh, defender uh, cleanly won the ball. And um, yes, uh, Japan's chances of getting a goal back from the spot went up in smoke. So, um, yeah, Johnny, well, Sugawara, yeah, it was uh, a difficult afternoon for him. It almost got uh, extremely uh, difficult for him uh, as he was, as I said, he was lucky not to give away a penalty uh, when he uh, could have been a judge to uh, for for pulling down uh, the uh, the attacker. I think we we've seen those given, but then uh, yeah, up the other end, the uh, the, the drama of the, uh, the the VAR decision as well. So it was uh, uh, definitely a, a madcap couple of minutes there. Yeah, I think it actually reminded me of the the Gamba Vispa Fukuoka game to the end of the the J one season when we had Daniel on and there was. One penalty to Gamba not given, and it was a penalty given. Um, VAR upheld it for, for Fukuoka. I think both of these fall into the category of you've seen them given. I, I actually think, having watched the replay back, that Iraq's one is maybe a stronger shout. That that might just be my, my opinion, but uh, I guess you might also want to comment on the, the kind of build up to that that goal. Uh, not that goal, sorry. The build up to that that non penalty was. For, for Japan, it's some more awful defending. I think the Iraqi players and the, the goalkeeper, they play about with it in their own box. And then the, the right centre-back just hoofs it up to, to the halfway line. Hiroki Ito challenges and sort of heads it awkwardly to Endo, who then loses out and a quick pass to um, to, to one of the central midfield players. And then he plays it straight through. Um, and then the, the, there's the incident with Suzuki and Sugawara. And yeah, Japan were just cut open from what essentially started as a bit of a hoof and a couple of simple passes. So it was extremely, extremely worrying. I I think that could have been given, but it also falls into the category. It wasn't given initially. Then maybe there wasn't enough really to, to overturn the decision. And then, yeah, if anyone only caught the highlights, it was basically just after they, they actually cleared the, the, the VAR that Japan went up the other end. And then you know, the, the penalty is given. And you tend to think of these situations... Um, I know Qatar had won, uh, the Japanese referee reversed the decision. You usually think that the bigger teams can get the decisions in this kind of uh, case, but maybe from Asano, the the fact that he goes down throwing his arms up in the air, that's usually a giveaway that you're kind of just kind of jumping into the defender and hoping for the best. But yeah, I I don't know if I've kind of waffled on a bit there, but I think the fact that both had the same outcome maybe makes sense for me because neither was clearly a penalty and neither was clearly not a penalty if that makes sense um would you go along with that you and also what what did you make of the the kind of the iraqi build-up slash the the poor japanese defending and the lead up to the the penalty chance um so in terms like this uh the sigawara pen penalty call i think well first of all it's a really really lovely through ball 
an Iraqi player to send um, send the uh, winger in. Uh, you know, he makes a really smart run um, in, and cutting inside Sugawara, right? And it's in, th- in those situations, it's it's difficult for any for any defender to um, uh, to defend against because um, it's such a smart run there. And you know the the real key thing is to like you know to not let that pass go through in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I do think yeah, I really I really thought it was going to be a penalty. Yeah, honestly, mm-hmm. like when I was watching it, and yeah, it but like you could also say maybe the Iraqi player was looking for it, maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't really want to get too much into these penalty penalty calls because, like, yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not a ref at all, right? <laughs> and we're in, you know, all three of us on this podcast are gonna be pretty biased. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you you've seen the given. Like, I, I I wouldn't have been surprised if it was given, and that would have been like, you know, <laughs> yeah, game over for Sugawara. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but like for um, Asano's penalty, yeah, let's talk about that. So, like, I'm not sure what the um, yeah again, like I'm not like a referee here. So the ref gave a penalty immediately, right? Mm-hmm. And then VAR comes, VAR intervenes. But like, is that such a clear and obvious error by the ref for mm-hmm. it to be reviewed in the first place? Is my question. And you know, like it, I like I don't really know what the protocol is there, and like the rule, what the rules are regarding, uh, what the rules are like regarding there. So you know, it would be nice to ask someone who has that kind of knowledge about whether it is so clear and obvious that it gets called back and the ref has to go to the monitor to view it. But yeah, I, like that was like the only fuzzy uh, part of the uh, call to me, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, you know. Unless you review it a million times in slow mo, then you know, like both the, the defender, I think, hits Asano and then gets the ball, but you could also say he gets the ball and then hits Asano. It's really hard mm-hmm. to tell. So, yeah, I mean, but like, is that clear and obvious enough to overturn the on field decision? Like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't really know. Um, but like, aside from the call, um, and like, because that's gonna be what gets a lot of attention. But I actually really want to talk about the um, the lead up to that chance mm-hmm. uh, because I think um, that was one of our one of the best plays by Japan to create that chance in the first place. Mm-hmm. And like you know how we talked all throughout the first half in the past like what 30 minutes or so about how you know Japan weren't able to create or uh, create those nice neat passing triangles get uh, each other close by into support positions and you know play those quick little combinations well here that's exactly what happened right like Morita drifts over to the left side and and then that you know that creates that kind of like you know uh, numerical overload uh, against Iraq's defense so then we have that um, little bit of extra number of players and extra bit of room to uh, send Ito through 1v1 and then he's able to actually dribble down into the box t- to get that cross into Asano in the first place right and that's that, that's exactly like the kind of play we've seen from Japan all throughout 2023 um, and you know we only rarely saw that against um, uh, Vietnam um, and you know this was like that was like one of the first time we saw we saw it um, in um, 
and this Iraq game. So yeah, that's something I really wanted to point out. Like that kind of, you know, the midfielders kind of drifting around from side to side, supporting the wingers and the fullback and creating those uh, neat little combinations to get past um, uh, the opponent midfield and then create those 1v1 opportunities against the opponent fullbacks um, is exactly the kind of play that we need to be doing a lot more. And and that's the kind of play that we're really good at. So, yeah, that's something I want to point out. Yep. All right, then. So uh, just past the hour, uh, of course, having brought to Tomiyasu on at halftime, uh, Moriyasu made his uh, next two changes, bringing ISA Wader and Ritsu Doan on for Asano and uh, Kubo. So, uh, yeah, frustration for both of those players as they were subbed off after, um, yeah, well, I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it. Disappointing outings uh, for Kubo. He was, um, yeah, just unable to impose himself at all uh, on the game. And, uh, yeah, Asano, a couple of chances aside. And obviously that one really selfish miss that uh, we've talked about already. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, uh, yeah, Moriyasu's plan did not work out when it came uh, to uh, to Asano, and in starting him, of course, he'd uh, he'd uh, played one of his uh, major trump cards that he usually brings off the bench. So uh, that meant that Wada and Duwan were called into action, and uh, well, yeah, it didn't take Duwan long to get involved, did it, guys? He had a shot blocked after a a lovely Minamino backheel and a Morita square pass uh, just a couple of minutes after coming on, and then after Minamino was fouled 25 yards from goal, uh, Duwan sent a free kick just over the bar. But uh, while, uh, yeah, Japan were trying to unlock the Iraqi defense, they was they still had to be on their guard up the other end as there were, yeah, a couple of chances for the Iraqis. Um, and uh, Suzuki was able to, uh, yeah, be uh, thankful that uh, yeah, a couple of shots from the Iraqi players went across the face of goal as uh, Japan uh, tried to pile the pressure on Johnny, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was just proving to be uh, um, a really difficult nut to crack, wasn't it? This uh, this Iraqi defence. Um, we saw Hatate and Maida come on with about 15 minutes to go, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I think yeah, the, the die was cast fairly early doors, wasn't it? It, it just wasn't going to be Japan's evening. Yeah, I think I think it, it it cut to the 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 coaches of Iraq, the the Spanish coaches, and they're quite clearly holding up five four and one, and then saying it in English to make it very easy for me to understand. Go go five four one, and, and I think yeah, uh, as the, the the half wore on, when Japan didn't get that penalty, they hadn't got the early goal to put Iraq really on the back foot. I think it became quite clear that Iraq were quite happy to settle with the two goals and then just take the chance in the counter attack if 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 they could. And you know they were quite dangerous a couple of times when they, when they went forward, caused a lot of problems. But but more and more they began to sit back. And yeah, you know, it's quite hard to judge sometimes that the substitutes came on at a time when Iraq were going to sit back and Japan were going to attack. But naturally I'm a bit biased towards Doan, but I thought he did very well when he came on. Mm. Not obviously wasn't massively effective, but I think the way he he got stuck in and. Despite his kind of smaller frame or stockier size, he, he, he doesn't doesn't hold back. Like I said in the first half, it seemed like a lot of the players were kind of intimidated by Amin Hussein, to be honest. Whereas Doan got right up and got in the faces of the, the Iraqi players, as they did to him. So he, he didn't take a step back. Um, I think Hatati and Maeda added a bit of pace, but again, again, it was against uh, tiring uh, defenders and yeah, Hatati came up with a, a couple of good corners, which I guess we'll talk about in a minute, which was in contrast to Sugawara, who, whose corners were quite disappointing. I think in the, 
the stats, Japan ended up with 13 corners to, to one for Iraq. I don't know exactly when the corners came, but a lot of them were in that final quarter. And it seemed like the ones from the near side from Sugawara were, were far lower quality than the ones from Hatati on the other side. Uh, on the downside, though, Hatati did give away a couple of silly fouls that kind of broke up Japan's m- momentum and allowed Iraq a bit of time to, to, to kill time. But yeah, it did have that kind of feeling like when Japan are relying on set pieces to, to get them goals in games, as opposed to, as, as Rio's laid out, those kind of quick work triangles and getting down the flanks and cutbacks and things, you know it's not gone very well if they're kind of relying on, on the set pieces, especially corners. And it did feel a bit inevitable the game was going to finish either, either 2-0 or Japan were going to get a consolation a bit too late. So uh, I did feel a bit of an inevitability around the kind of 75, what, 70, 75 minute mark that Japan were not going to get anything. And you could kind of sense that a bit from the players too, I felt. Right, so yeah, it, for me it was really disappointing that we couldn't score um, a goal like within the first 15 minutes of the second half, right? Because there was because Iraq were still playing that 4-4-2 and trying to kind of you know um, uh, pressure us and then uh, hit us on the counter. Um, and by the time, um, and I thought it was a bit disappointing that we didn't put Ueda on for Asano at halftime along with Tomiyasu, right? Um, because by the time we finally took Asano off, that was when they had already changed, like Iraq has already changed to 4-5-1. And like we, we, we want to score before they do that um, because it just gets infinitely harder because, you know, they're a really good, tough side to break down. Uh, even outside of their, uh, even before they you know, actually hunkered down, right? So, um, yeah, it's, and like, I liked um, what you said about Doan. Um, he's, he's been a very good sub in both games, right? He adds that little, you know, like, he, he changes the rhythm of our play, our possession play, uh, just from his, like, the way he holds the ball, the way he kind of, you know, quickly combines with players. And I, I really like that part about him. And, you know, that's why, He's been a good sub uh, for the past few uh, few games, and yeah, I imagine he still wants to start, you know, especially with him having the number ten on his back. But yeah, and like yeah, as you said, Johnny, like he like in the eighty second minute, you know, for that Dizamida header chance, you know, it's Doan that actually you know wins the ball and finds Minamino on the right wing, and then mm-hmm. you know, uh, Minamino goes you know surprisingly directly down running down the wing and then crosses a ball in which is very unminamino like but you know <laughs> and then yeah and that's a good run for by Maida at the far post but he heads it wide and it was really disappointing right because it would have been so much simpler for him to just head it back across the goal right because mm. he's making that diagonal run at the far post but he kind of like just flicks his header to the near post, which doesn't really make sense because the keeper's right there. If he just went head on against 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 how the cross was coming into him, then you know he wrong foots the goalkeeper and it might have been a goal. Like you just yeah. So that I found that a bit frustrating. Um yeah, all in all, like especially after Junior Ito came off and Daisamida went on the wing, like our wingers None of our wingers are really the type of players that could like dribble and take people on, and that's the kind of players you need when you're trying to break down like a four-five-one or five-four-one or whatever you want to call it block. So like yeah, it's it really goes to show that um, you know there's 
that we really missed Keita Nakamura. We obviously miss uh, Karu Mitama as well, obviously. But, like, yeah, like, there's just a lack of the right kind of personnel and roles within the team when certain players are, are um, injured or otherwise out. And, like, yeah, that's – and we can talk about – we can talk a little bit more about that when we come into, like, um, uh, t- uh, Moriyasu's uh, team selection for this tournament. But, yeah, let's, let's, let's move on to the last little bit. Yeah, all right. So, uh, yeah, it just wasn't happening for Japan. But finally, they broke through in the third minute of, uh, of second half stoppage time, a, a Rayo Hatate corner uh, headed in by Wataru Endo. And, um, well, yeah, that obviously sparked late hope amongst the uh, the, the Japanese players and uh, support that they could uh, somehow eke a draw out of uh, this game. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, a couple of half chances came to nothing uh, after uh, Endo's goal. Uh, Doan's shot was uh, deflected out for a corner. Then uh, after a scramble in the box, Doan skied a shot over the bar. I think he probably had about three or four chances um, after coming on Doan. And as uh, both Johnny and uh, Riov said, was very, very lively off the bench and might have even earned himself a, a start against Indonesia with his, uh, yeah, two impressive performances off the bench in the first two games but uh, yeah unfortunately he was unable to uh, to to get a shot um yeah into the net to equalize for japan and then in the 99th minute yeah poor old uh, hiroki ito was the man who uh, japan were depending on for to uh, to cross from the left hand side but uh, yes he um he definitely got his wires crossed with his uh, teammates in the box and uh, that uh, la- last chance for japan uh, came to nothing and at full time the iraqi players and uh, all of their staff could um yeah celebrate a a deserved victory their first over japan in uh, 42 years you, you might have read that uh, stat in the last 24 hours uh, listeners and um yeah overall a, a thoroughly deserved victory for Iraq that takes them into the last 16 of this tournament. Hopefully we've praised um, Iraq enough for a uh, yeah a, a terrific performance. We're obviously here to discuss Japan in depth, so we're uh, disappointed in how the game went from a Japanese perspective, but um, yeah, full of praise and respect for the way uh, Iraq went about things. So uh, Indonesia then, Johnny, um, as we uh, segue on to um, yeah, what's to come, for Japan, they've got to dust themselves down. Uh, I've got to, uh, yeah, properly resurrect my panic button. Hopefully, I won't need it again for the rest of the tournament. But um, yeah, uh, after the evidence of the first two games, um, yeah, I don't think I'll be storing it away uh, for a while. But um, yeah, what are you expecting from Moriyasu? We got his uh, changes for the uh, in, from the first to the second game, right? Um, it could be uh, wholesale changes, I think, for for the third group stage game. Yeah, I think like if Japan had won this game comfortably, I think there would have been changes for the Indonesia game for for other reasons. Now I think players will um, players will have a chance to really set uh, really um, nail down a, a place for the the last sixteen and hopefully beyond that. So I mean, what, what I'll do is I'll go through kind of position by position quickly, and then I'll pass it over to Rio and we can see where we agree or, or disagree, and then maybe we can come back to you and we can kind of compare. I think yeah. I would I would stick with Suzuki despite you know him getting a bit of criticism because I think I know used to our FC Tokyo fans you, even you would probably say it's a bit too early for Nozawa and you know there's already Nakamura and Osako missing so you can make an argument Suzuki's already the third choice so you, you don't really want to go too too much further into the depth pool so I think Suzuki will play I think both fullbacks would be very lucky to to keep their place 
Um, Sugawara, after his falling asleep in the team meeting incident and then his performance against Iraq, I think Maikuma deserves his chance. I'd have him in. If Nakayama's fit, I'd have him in ahead of Hiroki Ito. Um, I think Itakura, despite thoroughly agreeing with, with Ryo's point, I think he will still get picked again alongside Tomiyasu at centre-back and will continue to be befuddled as to why they had five centre-backs in the squads. Um, I'm going to come back to the holding midfielders in a minute because um, I want to ask you about them as well. But I, I think Morita will probably get taken out and they might bring in Sano or they might potentially go but very radical and go for that kind of midfield three with the with Hatate and uh, Endo and then potentially Minamino in there. But I think, yeah, they might go um, with, with Sano. And then, uh, yeah, I think Doan might, might get a start. If Nakamura is fit, um, whether it's start him, I don't know. He might get like 45 minutes. He might go Doan, Kubo, and then it wouldn't surprise me if he threw Maya down from the start or potentially if Hatate doesn't play in the middle, maybe Hatate down, down the left. And then... Yeah, surely won't go for Asano again. Will they, will they give away to the start? Or will you bring Hosoya back? Um, yeah, Asano definitely doesn't deserve to start, but yeah, Ueda's not been starting for Feyenoord, so that, that, that one's up in the air. So, yeah, um, just coming back to the, the holding midfielders, I, I really wanted to ask Rio's take on that, because um, Rio, I know you watched the Iraq versus Indonesia, and I'll be honest, I'd never seen Indonesia play an international game before that, but I left it thoroughly impressed, um, especially with a, a couple of the two young young holding midfielders. Um, I think they brought in from the diaspora abroad, and th- those guys were, were really good, not just moving forward, but also moving side to side. And where Indonesia, I think, hurt Iraq a lot was that those players intercepted the ball quite a lot and were able to start kind of short counterattacks that, that really, really threatened Iraq in a way that Japan didn't. So with that in mind, and also what, what Ben and I talked about after the Vietnam game, are Morita and Endo too similar for this kind of game? Do, do you think they can form a good partnership? Or do you think someone more dynamic like, like Sano or Hatate, or, or as we said the last time, should Altanaka have been taken and been playing in these games? So... I know it's a lot for, for your player, Rio, but if you could kind of go through, what, what do you think the team will be for, for Indonesia? And, and what do you think about that point about the, the holding midfielders? Right, yeah. Indonesia have been uh, um, have been quite fun to watch, honestly, <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. And like, yeah, as you said, they brought in a very young squad, like a very, very young. And like, as you said, Johnny, the, the, the double pivot they have are a two, like, almost, they're all nearly teenagers, <laughs> Right. They're like, well, not teenagers, but, you know, like early 20s, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're both from like the diaspora, as you said. And like, yeah, they're very active. And like the entire team is very, very energetic from the off. And like, yeah, that's part of why they're quite fun to watch. They're very chaotic. And um, yeah, that can uh, suit them, but it can also suit uh, Japan as well, especially um, if certain players are um, coming back from injury like Kato or... Um, even Mitoma uh, coming off like maybe like the last 10 or 20 minutes of the game, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, fingers crossed, right? Um, yeah, like, as you said, Johnny, I was really surprised how we only brought four central midfielders. Um, and especially since we do play, you know, as, as a double pivot, even though that double pivot kind of turns into a one holding midfielder and like two number eights in possession a lot of the times, like kind of what we saw in the uh, second half of uh, the Vietnam game, where um, you know Moriasu very clearly um, pushed uh, Morita forward a bit uh, next to Minamino and to mark uh, Vietnam's double pivot a lot better, 
and like that's a reason why we were able to like control the game a lot better in the second half of that game but yeah like yeah i can see um only one of morita or endo starting against indonesia right and as you said probably hatate or sano will be one of the other midfielders and then the number 10 could either be kubo or minamino depending like i yeah like that's 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 always been a toss-up throughout this entire tournament because they're both in you know good form um and um and i think kubo has slowly been building up building back up his fitness enough to maybe start against indonesia now mm-hmm. um especially since he went off around this what i think it was like the 70th minute in the iraq game and yeah and especially since minamino has been playing quite a lot in both games already and yeah and like as you said john i think yeah doan could definitely earn himself a start because Junior Ito has been playing a majority of the minutes mm-hmm. um, across either the right or the left. And yeah, I do think he needs a bit of a break because, you know, he's really, Junior Ito's really put the team on his back over the past uh, past two games. Um, and like it's, and while like, you know, a lot of his crossing and maybe a lot of his shots have gone, you know, haven't been the best, like he's, still the guy being able to create uh, you know being involved in those situations in the first place right like you 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 can't miss chances like you know you can't you can only miss chances if you're in the if you're you know you know if you're involved in those chances in the first place and that's what Junito has been doing for you know for the entire tournament or like over the past couple years in the Japan national side so um yeah um like when the squad was first announced, like for me, I thought my thinking was that, you know, in the absolute worst case scenario, like any of Nakayama, Itakura, and even Tomiyasu can play in a double pivot, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you all remember from 2019, the first game of the 2019 Asian Cup, Tomiyasu was playing in the double pivot. Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah. And like we've seen Nakayama uh start in midfield in the under 23 games i think he even played there in the uh, copa america uh when japan brought their um olympic squad to that tournament and that's where nakayama was playing and yeah inita kura can also play there uh he hasn't played there in a long time but yeah like that so like i think that's possibly one of the reasons why we only brought four central midfielders in but yeah like honestly like as you said johnny like i would have really like to see Ao Tanaka in or even uh Kawamura or someone someone like you know around that level right Mm -hmm. because yeah like like I've talked about quite a lot like we do have one too many center backs I feel or even like we could have had Ao Tanaka instead of either Daisen Maeda or Takuma Asano because I think Daisen Maeda and Takuma Asano are like kind of covering very similar roles right because mm-hmm. they're both the kind of get in behind the fence run really fast and pressure the, the opponent defense and hassle and harry them kind of players and we don't really need two of them at the same time and we're especially not really going to be playing both of them at the same time in any case so like it's like then why do we bring both of them along right mm-hmm. so yeah yeah um yeah so yeah anyway i do think we're gonna have to rest one of Endo or Morita, absolutely. And I think that's going to be where either Kashu Sano uh, and or Hatate are going to be coming in. So, yeah. 
All right, and I, I guess the the Matoma situation is kind of looming large over uh, uh, the the whole situation at the moment, guys. And I don't know, as an Australian, I'm getting uh, kind of Sam Kerr at the last uh, Women's World Cup vibes here, um, as you both may remember. Yeah, Australia was just waiting uh, with the bated breath for for Sam. They're obviously they're, they're talisman slash talisman to to make her uh, return from injury throughout the tournament and she wasn't able to do it until uh, deep into the knockout stages um and um yeah obviously australia were were able to make it all the way through to the semi-finals but um yeah for mitoma obviously is a Japan's one of Japan's most recognizable players uh, heading into the tournament for us to be uh, waiting uh, for an appearance from him even off the bench until the the third group stage game um I, I suppose at this stage of proceedings Rio uh, you know he obviously can't be rushed and you know it won't be panic stations in the Japan camp because they'll still be preparing to defeat Indonesia and um, and to make it through to the round of 16 and this was obviously the plan all along I suppose that Mitoma would be ready later in the tournament but after we've seen that their uh, attacking struggles in the first two games it, it just makes his um, current unavailability even uh, well all the more um, I guess frustrating that the fact that we're, we're unable to call him and on him at this stage right yeah like like the Matoma missing would have been such a big issue uh, because we we have you know Keita Nakamura and he's been playing really well, but the problem about the Iraq game was he was also missing as well, right? And there's only so many of those kind of dribbling type wingers that you can bring into the squad, and so yeah, that's a bit disappointing in that sense. But at the same time, you know, like clearly I think Moriyasu was experimenting a lot in this particular game. Whether that was wise or not is a different question altogether. But, you know, we, we played so many, we tried so many different players on that left wing spot, right? And like, and I think everyone, including Moriyasu, would realize um, that none of those options worked at all. Not Minamino, not, uh, oh no, Juni Ito's fine on the left wing, but like we I, we obviously want him on the right instead. And then, you know, Daizamaida or even Hatate on the left wing, like, none of those really work. So and with Kato Nakamura's injury being probably most likely being quite minor, I I can see him being coming coming back in and we look a lot better as a result. So it's not all doom and gloom I think, right? Because um, overall, I think no I I do want to finish this pod off on a bit more of a positive note because <laughs> we've been uh, pretty glum over the past hour or so. You know I think there's a big difference between Japan losing only one to two compared to losing uh zero to two or even more because mm-hmm. like you know like even though the result is the same like you know both you know psychologically for the players and also you know pragmatically in terms of, like you know the goal difference itself like it's um you know it's much better to only lose by one goal because getting completely blanked by iraq as strong as they are it will be a, been a massive massive dis- disappointment uh, on top of you know just you know just losing in general, right? So, yeah, you know, the one-two scoreline is um, a bit better. And, you know, uh, both in the Iraq and the Vietnam game, like I feel like everything that could have possibly gone wrong kept going wrong at the worst possible times, 
right? So, you know, there's a lot of bad luck involved here as well. Like, you know, obviously Suzuki could have punched a bit better, but at the same time, it falls right onto Ayman Hussein's head. Like, you, you couldn't have, you know, put it on a better play for him, right? And then in the Vietnam game, you had uh, Ben Duck's uh, crazy backwards flick header that could have easily just been a pass or it could have just, you know, gone out for a goal kick, right? Like, it's it's all these little different things that keep going wrong. And obviously, a lot, um, you know, a lot of these things have also been uh, things that Japan could control. And it's, um, you know, things that we definitely need to work on, work on. But, you know, like all these little things add up, you know. Um, yeah, like the atmosphere for this Iraq game was, you know, was, you know, the stadium was bouncing. Like it was all pretty much all full of Iraq fans. <laughs> and, you know, and like a lot of the 50-50 calls for like throw-ins, corner kicks, and then uh, and also like the penalty, like they all go against us. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, that's just, that's just how, you know, um, turn, tournaments are, right? Especially when you're playing in the Middle East. Um, and, yeah, and it's, it's not going to get any easier from here on out, right? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, like the next tournament is also in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like um, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you're new to Japanese soccer, you know, like this is you know, welcome to AFC football, <laughs> right? You know, those World Cup qualifiers, you know, are just just only I guess uh, are only a start, right? There's still a lot other tougher challenges lying ahead before we even talk about you know the World Cup in 2026. So yeah, you know. Um, Pull on your seatbelt, folks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think to, to add to some of the positivity or, or maybe just point out other people's negativity, because South Korea have drawn 2-2 with Jordan tonight, which means they face a shootout in the final game. And it seems quite likely Japan might play Jordan in the in the round of 16, assuming they can put away Indonesia. But, you know, Qatar watched the other night against Tajikistan, who I believe the commentator said had never been in the top 100 in the world. And Qatar won 1-0, but, but flowed badly at times. You know, Iran only beat Hong Kong 1-0 last night. Um, and the Saudi Arabia needed what injury time goal was VAR helped it to beat Oman. So I, I guess, Ben, you, you must be sitting quite pretty with your, your Australia. No, no goals conceded, two, two, two games, two wins. Yeah, we haven't uh, set the the world on fire or pulled up too many trees yet, Johnny. But uh, yeah, hopefully we're uh, yes we're easing our way into the tournament. And six points from two games is a record that yeah not too many other nations can boast at this stage. So um, yeah, keeping it fairly low key over here. But uh, yes, pleased with the the results. Um, with hopefully uh, improved performances to come uh, over the uh, the remainder of the uh, the tournament, but yes, thanks for thanks for mentioning that. And I'm, here I am, busy trying to not reverse jinx anything. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll move off Australia fairly uh, as quickly as I can. But yes, you, your point is an excellent one. That uh, overall, yeah, the tournament is not going to script. And uh, and yeah, this game um, that we've just uh, spent over an hour discussing uh, was yeah Exhibit A on, in that regard. But yeah, Johnny, you're right to point out that. Jordan and South Korea's draw has thrown another cat amongst another set of pigeons. And um, yes, so if Japan go through uh, in second place in their group, then yeah, as uh, uh, we did spell out before the uh, the tournament began, they would play the uh, the top team in Group E, which we obviously all expected to be South Korea uh, before tonight. Before their uh, their draw means that yeah, it's advantage Jordan in terms of a goal difference with both of those countries having uh, four points after their first two games. So in the final uh, group stage uh, encounters in Group E, Jordan will play Bahrain and South Korea will play. 
late Malaysia. So it might come down to goal difference as to who tops that group. Um, of course, Bahrain could go and beat Jordan and then the Korea will win the uh, the group as we all expected all along. But uh, who knows? Um, yes, as we've uh, just pointed out, the uh, the results in this tournament uh, have started to, uh, to not go to script. So, um, yeah, hopefully um, we've uh, this has been therapeutic for the three of us and also for you listening with a, uh, a leaning towards the, uh, the the Samurai Blue. It was a difficult watch uh, on um, uh, on Saturday, uh, sorry, Friday night, uh, Japan time. And, and yes, there you go. I've forgotten what day it was. We never record on Saturdays, uh, do we, guys? So, um, yeah, I guess uh, if there isn't any other business, uh, Riol, we can leave it there. And thank you for your time. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll look to catch up with you again, maybe even before the uh, the tournament. We're obviously hoping the tournament ends. We're hoping Japan goes as far as they can, obviously. So if that's the case, uh, yeah, we might uh, be able to speak again before it uh, it all concludes. But uh, as for now, thanks uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, yeah, as I said, we look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah, uh, thanks again for having me on, uh, Johnny and Ben. Yeah, it's, I think this is the third time I've been on. So um, and hopefully I'll be um back on either for this tournament or once the uh, J-League season starts. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. And, and you know, just before you go also, um, for people who haven't haven't listened to you, been on the pod before, please give a quick plug to your your newsletter and also what, what can you can expect to find from you on, on Twitter. But please, the floor is yours. All right, thanks. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, so my name's Rio, Rio Nakagawara. Um, on Twitter or X as they call it nowadays, <laughs> it's um, um my Twitter handle is um r underscore by underscore rio, um and I also um started a newsletter uh back in late 2022 called Shogun Soccer, and you know for and for those who've been following me a long time will know even before I started a newsletter uh, around every half season so like um. I would come out with a huge review of the J League season, both from a tactical perspective and with data. And well, and now I simply do that on Shogun Soccer. Um, it's a Substack newsletter instead of my own per old personal uh, blog. And so yeah, so now throughout the year, I also review various interesting J League matches as well as go on more topical explorations of how teams are uh, are playing. Um, and also in recent months, um, I've also been doing, you know, player scouting reports, uh, going on a deep dive of individual promising J-League players who might move abroad. So I've um, I've already done FC Tokyo's Kuri Matsuki and um, also Hario Fuji, who, you know, who only just recently moved to Kortrijk in Belgium. Uh, funnily enough, um, he moved right like a day after I released my <laughs> A newsletter on them <laughs> but yeah um so yeah so ahead of the 2024 season uh starting up at the end of february you know i'm hoping to write up a season preview of all uh, all three of the uh, promoted teams from j2 so uh much the zelvia jubilo um iwata and tokyo verdi um so yeah please be on the lookout for that so yeah so yeah if you like to hear more um soccer insight for me from both a tactical and a data perspective yeah please sign up for uh shogun soccer um, and yeah uh, again thanks for having me on johnny and uh, ben tremendous stuff uh real thanks for that and yeah thanks for the reminder johnny sorry i uh, uh uh, meant to do that uh, before uh, we let Rio go but uh, yeah there we go that's it uh, Japan's got it all to do in the final group stage game um, and uh, yeah we'll uh, chat about that in our next episode
Yeah, I feel a bit like I'm on holiday at Christmas and I don't know what, what day it is. I feel like it's a Monday night and I'm time to go back to work and it's actually just finished finished work. But, but hopefully <laughs> yeah. we'll have yeah, next time we'll have a, oh, as you said, you know, we're a bit negative and we've finished off in a positive. So let's finish off in a positive. But hopefully we've got a win to talk about uh, next time, Ben. So I'm looking forward to talking to you again. All right. Thanks, Johnny. And that's it for this episode of the J Talk podcast. Johnny and I would like to thank Riol Nakagawara very much for his time uh, on this episode. And again, yes, please check out Riol on Twitter slash X and his Shogun Soccer newsletter. We'd also like to thank all of our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon and listeners. We'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back after Japan's final group stage game against Indonesia. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.